There's a lot of other areas to get into in the banking world. The only thing that people think about is lending money. I've worked at a bank for almost four years. I've never thought about lending money. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast presented by Generations Bank. I'm Luke Hannon. I'm Max Harrell. That's the sigh of a man. He's ready for Christmas break. Ready for Christmas break. You don't get Christmas break. Yeah, I was about to say. I made one for myself, basically. You made a Christmas break? Yeah, so... That's not approved by corporate, I'm sorry. Well, I basically... we are Is PTO something we're still doing? <laughs> Ask your question differently. <laughs> Do you have PTO? Yeah. Okay, then you can use it. So I saved it, and I'm using it in between. We get the Monday of Christmas off. I had to beg for it, though. <laughs> Just kidding. The day of Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The four days following, Tuesday through Friday, I'm taking. So I'm going to get like 10 or 11 in a row. So You're going to sit at home and play video games? No. Yeah, what are you going to I'd do? like to. <laughs> Colorado. Oh, is that when y'all are going? Banking school. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, hopefully, ski and stay upright and stay healthy. Okay. If you heard his voice on the other end, that's Mr. Bryant Penzo who's joining us today. Bryant, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. We have the honor and the privilege to be joined by the self-proclaimed HR guy. <laughs> self-proclaimed. <laughs> not self I feel like that's what everybody thinks you are, but that's nothing Probably close not. to what you do. Everyone thinks I'm the self-proclaimed HR guy. Yeah, no, I guess you don't proclaim it, I guess. So. I think that's, yeah, others proclaimed, but not <laughs> not a clue, not very close at all. What do you think I do, Luke? <laughs> oh, gosh, strategize. Are you strategy? No. <laughs> <laughs> they both got new positions at the same time. Um, strategize. I think you were strategizing for the end times. Oh, and what oh, will wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. A plan. Don't don't ask to see that plan. No. I don't think there's anything to strategize for that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's already laid out. No, but you're the chief strategy officer. Yes, sir. What do you do, Bryant? Really, I, I kind of sit in two major buckets, more or less. I, I do manage our, our people and culture, our HR division, um, which is pretty all-encompassing from compensation to benefits to um, recruiting and onboarding and, and, and so on and so forth. And I've got two really amazing team members here that um, really are, are the hands and feet of what that looks like. Um, I really own the the super fun, engaging pieces around um, designing our, our insurance and designing our compensation programs and um, things like that that no one else thinks is really interesting. Um, and then there's a whole other portion of my job that um, – is is fun for me, and I think it's not fun for a lot of people. Uh, plans for the apocalypse. Plans for the apocalypse. <laughs> um, no, I, I kind of like to joke that um, I sit I sit close to people and ask them hard questions uh, for the sake of making really processes and organizational structures um, more efficient and more um, impactful. Um, maybe that's an objective thing, or maybe that's um, a people-oriented coaching thing. And so it's really wide, um, but I work on our strategic plan for different areas of the business and um, help see that through in kind of each facet of the organization. So now you know. (laughs) 
Now I know. No questions. <laughs> no questions. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast again because you do a lot. You do a lot. It depends on the day. <laughs> so you're an insurance artist is what I got out of that. A little bit. Designing insurance. A little insurance bit. artiste. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty unique world. We're, we're self-insured, and so there's a lot that goes into um, designing a plan that's effective for 140 team members, but additionally is uh, focused on cost containment because insurance is a really, really expensive line item on the organization's expenses. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other episode we could get into. But um, <laughs> tell us how you got the CSO, Chief Strategy Role. Give us a... Um, Starting some, from the day you were born. Some background. <laughs> give us from the, from the day you were born in the, in the luscious fields of Tiny Town, Arkansas. <laughs> the, the vineyards. Well... Where where would you like me to start the answer to that question? Yeah, uh, <laughs> apparently uh, Luke wants us to start from the beginning. No, okay, just we'll skip. So the- you grew up in Tawny Town. Yes. Yeah. So grew up in Tawny Town, um, native of Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Kind of a rare breed around here. A lot of transplants. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do always take a little bit of pride uh, when someone asks for my phone number around here, saying four seven nine because there's a lot of Dallas and Tulsa and so on and so forth. So it makes me. Feel some agency. Are you gonna get that tatted on your um, <laughs> bicep. bicep, like DMAC? I guess I won't confirm or deny whether I already have a four seven nine <laughs> tattoo. Wow, you are wearing something that that would cover that up. So that is part of the policy you wrote in our employee handbook, right? There, there Gotta is cover the ink. Well, it, it kind of depends. Okay, see, there's intricacies to everything. <laughs> I guess if 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 Brian is going to tattoo, or if he already has a four seven nine tattooed on the bicep, I do think that that should be allowable to wear. Um, to show to, flash to show it off, every, yeah. every now and then. I don't know if you just like cut a hole in the sleeve, <laughs> or if you're just wearing tanks every day, um, or what that look. But anyways, the world may never know. Exactly. What did you study in college? Yeah, college was pretty interesting for me. I um, wasn't it for all of us. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, do tell, Brian. <laughs> well, it, because it's multifaceted. All started with a four seven nine. That's that was uh, <laughs> my sort of freshman t- year. Sort of took to get into the fraternity. <laughs> yeah. My indoctrination. Sorry, please, it's go actually on. a brand. <laughs> no, just a, a classic. Um, you know, a business major, uh, it was retail with a focus in accounting and a minor in management. So it was <laughs> pretty multifaceted to say the least. But then through college, I also worked for the Washington County Prosecutor. Um, so I was a, I did felony case coordination, which was baffling um, because growing up in Northwest Arkansas, I, I would say I lived a pretty sheltered childhood and had no idea um, really what went on in the area. So Spent my college days uh, also being exposed to the legal world, which is pretty fun. Did you ever see anybody who uh, might or might not have been on Dixon Street uh, (laughs) that you'd seen maybe uh, the night before or uh, a couple of weeks before? I mean, I I would definitely say a a lot of classmates, uh, (laughs) a a sprinkling of friends, um, you know, lots of complexity that that came through there for sure. Why did you do that? Well, honestly, because... Do you want to be a lawyer? No. One day, I got a phone call, and they said, hey, would you be interested in working in the prosecutor's office? They're like, if so, like, come in and and let's chat about it. And 
the rest was history, as they say. They knew you were so good at evading the law that you <laughs> yeah. could catch the criminals. It's yeah. like kind of like catch me if yeah, you can. Yeah, catch me if you can. Catch with, the fraudulent with, checks. With DiCaprio, yeah. yeah. Definitely an undercover agent over here, so. Okay, so you worked there. Yeah. And then after college. Yeah, post-college, uh, I, I jumped around in a few different areas. Um, kind of by happenstance, marketing was something that I could do and um, w- was relatively good at, I suppose. Um, and so right after school, I did some college ministry stuff for about a year with the local church um, and then uh, jumped right into Be Unlimited, which is a, a, a local screen printing and graphic design organization here uh, in Northwest Arkansas. And I did um, a lot of marketing and product development for them um, and then jumped into uh, a place called Resplendent Hospitality. Um, They're actually based out of Austin, Texas, but I was boots on the ground here with our Northwest Arkansas clients. And then kind of the, the next season of life gets a little smudged here because I actually jumped into getting a master's uh, at JBU in mental and clinical health counseling uh, the same month that I started working at Generations Bank. So when I started here, I was actually uh, pulling double duty a little bit and taking night classes through JBU, getting a master's there. Um, And I was our marketing director here at the time. So uh, those both fell at the same time and uh, ran marketing here for the better part of a year, and uh, at the end of that season, um, had an opportunity to take over our HR area, and it it might be shocking, but oddly, I, I had always been interested in HR, um, but frankly, I thought, you know, who, who does this before they're 45? Um, I was like, I don't even know what it takes to get into HR, you know what I mean? But it, it, yeah. it's always... Um, what seemingly uh, a, a seasoned uh, team member wherever that organization is. And so uh, kind of about that time, I had done three semesters in, in my degree, and I thought, you know, I need to see if, if this, whole, this whole HR people and culture thing is sustainable for me. And so I, I pulled out of school for the time being, and We'll jump into this, I think, in a little bit based on conversation that we've shared, um, kind of what it's been like working here and why I decided to stay. But um, And then I guess about a year and a half into to leading HR, um, had an opportunity to take on our chief strategy officer role, um, which kept, as we talked about, that HR world with some, some added benefit. So, Okay. Is that why we changed the name to People and Culture? Well, so HR is a is like human the, resources. The most, that sounds very like kind of caveman almost. Well, it is certainly the, one of the original names for that department, and <laughs> and obviously it points to um, the people in an organization being the most important resource, right? Not right. I didn't realize that. I guess. <laughs> it almost works better. Human as a resource. Yeah, you know, I think it definitely points to um, what does it look like to pay um, respect and or recognize what an organization's biggest resource is. And so that's why there's a whole division in an organization, right, um, dedicated Got to it. human resources. But Got it. We shifted it to people and culture roughly two and a half years ago, um, and that's when really we and, and that department took a, a larger look at 
um, you know, core values in the organization, um, recognition, et cetera. So, so what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, I would say that I've always had a heart for really specific groups of people. And one of those has always been, um, business owners and executive teams, which I, I remember thinking this at a very early age. Um, I think that they're, they're one of the more lonely groups of people in an organization um, because a lot is asked of them. And uh, certainly they're supposed to be on top of their game and, and know the most and, and so on and so forth. And so, um, and I think part of that is because in, in every job I've ever had, especially post-grad, I worked hand in hand with either the executive team or the business owner. And it gave me a really unique perspective early on about what it looks like to run an organization um, from from the top level, whether that's an ownership perspective or an internal perspective. And so uh, that's honestly one reason I was getting a counseling degree um, is I was really curious about what it looked like to incorporate um, some facet of mental health and or uh, focus on personal wellness within an organization, specifically at a leadership level. So that maybe that answers your question. I don't have a title for it. Um, it's kind of Oddly enough, what I'm getting to do, um, although I'm I'm I did not finish my degree and I'm not licensed or anything like that, um, I just get to be really supportive for our executive team, kind of behind the scenes in a lot of respects. Learning on the job, absolutely, <laughs> even better. I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> Is that right? That's right. Yeah. When did that? You dream? had big aspirations as a kid. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a meteorologist. If we're there going go. way back, there you go. But okay. Why did you choose banking? I mean, honestly, I think that that's going to go back to why I said yes to the original job offer yeah. at the first bank I ever worked at, which was Generations Bank. And it was solely built on trust. Um, I think that I admittedly was a little bit skeptical of the banking industry. Um, and, uh, and, and why? What are some of the reasons why skepticism? Yeah, I think personally um, there's a few industries that – I kind of had always attached like big bad to yeah. and big bad banking was one of those for me. And I'm going to say, honestly, that's because of the rhetoric and or media that's available and, and widely talked about, uh, about finance and banking careers. Um, and despite, um, my youthful appearance, uh, I think that that, that 08 time period, um, when I was a kid was really influential and what it looked like to think about a career. And uh, what it felt like was the bank was taking away things and the bank was being shady and the bank was, you know, all of these things. And what I didn't realize is what a bank was, what, what a bank was actually doing for the community, um, for the schools, for the businesses, for the home builders. And so, yeah, I think that my vision was admittedly skewed, um, by what I read and what I heard and what I saw about what it meant to be a quote unquote banker. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I, one of the interesting things about this is there's three of us who are sitting here at this table. We're all um, under the age of 35 and have through a variety of means um, stumbled into a banking career. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been able to provide what I would, I think I'd have uh, unison in, in in an agreement here that 
you know, it's, it's, it's provided a, a really great opportunity to have an impact on not just, you know, our, our personal lives, but the lives of others as well. So uh, it's just interesting, you know, as we, as we talk and um, I don't think many people thought about a banker as a, anyone under the age of 35 either. Oh, without a doubt. Right. Yeah. Like even when I was growing up being very much a part of a bank, it was, it was more of a seasoned individual who, um, you know, kind of said yes or no, you know, it's kind of one of those <laughs> things is, so it's interesting to hear your take on that as well. Well, and to be honest, Max, we're still fighting that. Oh, sure. Um, you know, I've talked to people in the Northeast. I've talked to people in the Northwest and, uh, the SEC realm, and and we're all talking about similar, uh, what I'll say is hurdles. Uh, one of one of which is the the incoming um, kind of retirement cliff, if you will, of a lot of bankers. So we're about to lose a lot of industry knowledge um, that a lot of banks don't have anyone to pass it to because they don't have young people. Um, and so you know whether that's with a with a banking association or uh, with focus groups, we've had intentional conversations around, hey, what does it look like for the brand of banking, for the brand of working for a bank uh, to be told accurately and for people to know what it means to be a banker? Because it's not something that a lot of people widely know. You know, people that go into college that want to pursue finance are headed into financial planning or, or something of that sorts when uh, banking should certainly be on the table in that conversation. Yeah. Investment banker a lot too. Yeah. Uh, so you and Luke have some similarities in the fact that you both uh, started out uh, in an industry other than banking, mm-hmm. and you found your way into the pot of gold here at the end <laughs> of the rainbow. But uh, I'd be curious to know just your your take on um, you know what it what what that process looked like. Uh, you know, once you entered into into the banking industry, how it's kind of changed your perspective. Um, and I know I've talked with Luke a lot about that as well. Um, and you know, what, what would it look like for someone who's of our age, you know, who's has that different perspective or what would it look like to get into the industry? You know, what are the avenues here? Uh, is, um, you know, there's, there's a, a bank is a business. There's a lot of different, uh, facets of what we do. So what are the different avenues you could get into in the industry as well? Ultimately, when people think about working for a bank, I would ask you guys, but you've both done this prior. Uh, I would say that the only thing that people think about is lending money. And I've worked at a bank for almost four years, and I've I've never thought about lending money. Um, you know, there's been jokes of, oh, maybe we'll make a lender out of them. And to be honest, you know, that's not really even an interest of mine within the banking world. And uh, I think that ultimately points to the the reality of your question of there's a lot of other areas to get into in the banking world. Um, you know, for example, every bank is going to have a, a department similarly to mine, whether that's split or together, focusing on strategy or HR or whatever. But, um, you know, there's an immense amount of operations uh, that happens within an organization, such as a bank, specifically a bank that uh, still keeps the lights on and still uh, makes things run. And so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes operations roles uh, supporting the the lending side, supporting the retail side that um, I think most people just don't know exist. Um, and 
when a lot of people think about uh, a job, they think about their personal skill set. And maybe they don't want to be that sales-oriented type of person. And that's not all the only thing that's here, right? That's yeah. that's what most people think about on the lending side. So, um, you know, from a finance perspective within a bank, uh, there's an immense amount of opportunity on... Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess we could get nerdy and talk about pledging and securities and and the whole world uh, around even running an internal investment portfolio for an organization because um, we have to invest our own money as well. And someone does that inside these walls. And so, uh, gosh, there's a there's a lot of opportunity that most people just don't know exist within the banking world. Yeah, I would second that. I feel like <clears throat> maybe monthly, I talk to somebody and say, "Hey, I have this problem." I really need to fix this. They're like, oh, just email so and so. I'm like, we have somebody to do that here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the interesting part is, as Max said, Brian and I really know early intentions to be in the banking industry. And um, I think if you surveyed um, our bank, you would find that was the case with a lot of people who work here. Um, the but, industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Industry as a whole. Um, but at least at our bank, if you were to ask, are you glad you're in the banking industry? I think large majority, uh, would say yes. Um, and I'd be one of those and I never thought I would say that. So, um, plenty of opportunity, plenty of, um, as Brian was saying, uh, I guess chances to, uh, jump on and do something outside of lending as well so yeah you know you you make a, a good point there I can't tell you how many and I'm one of these people but I didn't think there were as many as as I would have I guess considered but uh, how many people have said to me well I accidentally landed in banking um, or you know I, I backed into banking and, and didn't even realize that's what I was doing etc et so uh, I would say there's a much larger percentage of people that accidentally end up here and stay because they love it, then pursue it because they think they're going to love it. And, you know, for the industry as a whole and attracting young, young talent, I think that should say something because how many of your friends do you talk to that don't enjoy their job or don't enjoy the impact that they have on the community as a whole, the neighbors that they live by? And so um, I think if we can package that story and say, I accidentally landed here and I loved it, well, why wouldn't people pursue it if people accidentally land there and end up staying forever? Yeah, that is a good point. Maybe it's just a a, a long running joke that bankers actually say that they accidentally landed <laughs> here. I guess I'll just do it for the next forty years. When in actuality, they just don't want the secret out that it's the best career path and uh, to prevent uh, competition. All these gatekeepers out <laughs> yeah, here. Maybe so. <laughs> They're doing a great job because my senior year banking class at the University of Arkansas, there were six people. Really? Yeah, in that class. Um, so <clears throat> I'm glad we're getting the word out there because I know my professor, um, uh, Dr. Yeager, is probably pretty happy that, that we're getting the word out there and there's maybe going to be a few more folks in his class. What do you think is actually the number one attributing factor to that, to everything that you just said about it not being attractive and things like that? Maybe people not studying it at the U of A. What's the? Yeah, I think there could be regionally, could be nationally. I think it's nationally. I think Bryant would regionally tend to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just think that there's uh, 
It's almost like the Monopoly perspective. You see the banker in the hat with the mustache, um, and and that's just your that's your that's your like perception of a banker is monocle. The monocle, you know, the three piece suit. Um, yeah, I, I watched Christmas Carol uh, this weekend. I didn't realize he was a debt collector. He's a banker. Well, Scrooge, some way, shape, or form. That is. Charles Dickens ruined banking for everybody. <laughs> well, that's a hot take here. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is sometimes it can be a little bit of a thankless industry as well um, because uh, a lot of times you are it, – it, it, it's very much a service industry, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes even the best restaurants, um, the, the, the chef may not get a thank you um, and, and they may only hear when the food is bad. Um, you know, and, and so, and, and that goes across a lot of different in- industries, but the bad news always travels faster than the good. And I think, um, over probably a, a period of several decades, there was more bad news than good in the industry. That's a good and, point. um, and you know, it, what everybody wants to talk about is when SVB crashes, <laughs> you know, um, and, and nobody wants to talk about the fact that the banking industry was, um, you know, was crucial to the PPP mm-hmm. um, and that rollout. And, and, you know, it's, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of an insulated environment like you're talking about. And I think that that's got some real advantages to it. But um, one of the things that uh, I, I appreciate so much about you two and, and, and Brian especially is just your desire to, um, to have an impact on people. And I think that resonates a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can have an impact on other folks in this industry, um, and and you can see that impact. Um, you know, whether that be physical dollars or whether that be you know seeing the smile on their face. Uh, but you're doing it at an age that I don't know if a lot of other industries uh, would allow you to do that in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think it's undoubtedly true, and it's it's interesting because I think it's on both sides of the coin. You know, it's not lost on me that you guys have also talked about why you would bank at one place or another and what it looks like to pick a bank and and so on and so forth. And I think for by and large, right, that is really the same for picking a career. And um, I think that you can say the same thing about why why I ended up here. And it was because I had a relationship with someone that I trusted here. And it it gave me an opportunity to trust banking. Um, not because I was being served as a customer, uh, but because I knew someone in the industry. And I think that it's, it's equally important for anyone that is a banker uh, to, to be you know, a trustworthy person in the community, not only from a reputational standpoint for the institution they work for, but for the career that they lead. Um, and so I do think it's interesting that whether it's the, the customer side or it's the employee side, uh, trust builds both cornerstones. Yeah. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed our discussion in, you know, in and around what, what that's looked like for you specifically. You know, it's, it's always fun for me to hear, hear that perspective from somebody who, you know, didn't grow up in the industry, doesn't, doesn't know some of the, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call it. Um, but as we round out today's episode, I think we, we have to follow it up with some trivia, Luke. We're going to do some Christmas trivia. Max, you have not seen these answers. I have not seen okay. these. 
which holiday celebrity starred in the Christmas movie Jingle All the Way, which aired in theaters in 1996? I'll give you some options if you'd like. Did you say music? Uh, music. No. Christmas which, movie? Which Hollywood? Hollywood right. celebrity. Celebrity. Uh, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> it was. Wow. <laughs> you, yeah. That, yeah. Sorry, I should have given it you. It was your, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Yeah. All right. One to one. <laughs> All right. I really do have options if you want A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I've got Okay. So it sounds like Brian's kind of got this down, so. Okay. What? Harbor this education. could be a layup. I'm just going to give a point to whoever answers first, okay? Oh, no. I didn't know we this was a competition. <laughs> when did this become yeah, a competition? Yeah, it's 1-0. Okay. Uh, and I get your the loser's Christmas bonus. Here we go. What is the first name of Scrooge from A Christmas Carol? Ebenezer. Seriously? Sorry. Come on. One-to-one. Chalk one up to Rogers High School. <laughs> Charles Dickens. Okay, which country did Santa Claus originate from? Do you want uh, some uh, some options? I feel like Germany's a solid. That's my guess. Would you like some options? Yeah, yeah I, guess. <laughs> I guess we should get options. Spain, Turkey, Portugal, Egypt. Oh, one of those is not anything like the other. Egypt? Yeah. I feel like I'm like... Sure. Egypt. That's what you're going with? Yeah. You're going with Egypt? Uh, it's not Egypt, but... I, you seen the Santa fly over the pyramids? <laughs> I actually got stuck on one, I heard. <laughs> over the pyramid Rudolph in Memphis. lost a leg he, la- he launched off the first one. That's <laughs> yes. actually how he gets up into the air. Um, All right. I'm going to go... Golly, I really don't know. I think you should do Portugal. I feel solid about Portugal. All right, let's send it on Portugal. <laughs> Turkey. Dang, Dang it, that's what I was going to do. All right, quickly. In a Charlie Brown Christmas, what does Sally, Charlie's sister, ask for for Christmas? <laughs> I have not a clue. Have y'all seen that? Yeah. Here, let's do I, an easier I'm one. To, uh, okay. All what right. color is Charlie Brown's shirt? Yellow. Yellow. And brown. All right. Now, what does Sally ask for for Christmas? A yellow and brown shirt? <laughs> no. I'll give you options. A yellow, Money, a little brother, toys, or real estate? Real estate. <laughs> a little brother. I feel like that's pretty solid. A little brother. Money. Dang. What is bad. Where did you... Why, where did his shirt come into play with that? I don't know. You guys were really struggling, so oh. I wanted to give you a layup. I thought that that had some sort of lead, lead in. No. Okay. What is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? Inflation adjusted? No. Not inflation adjusted. Ooh. Um, Elf. Santa Claus. Elf, Grinch, White Christmas, Die Hard. Elf. Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> There's a whole other podcast coming yeah. on Yeah. <laughs> you can die on that hill if you want to. Have y'all seen White Christmas? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty solid. <laughs> Bing Crosby. Old Bing. So what's the answer? Elf. The Grinch. No. Oh, we're really bad. Yeah. Yeah, you are. All right, ask one more. Okay. In Elf, there are four important food groups according to Buddy. 
What are they? Candy, candy, candy corn, cane, candy corn, syrup. Yep. I'm going to call that a tie. What? <laughs> <laughs> he was saying it. I was being kind. I don't want to talk over you. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for letting me hop in with you guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating and drop a review. Follow us on our socials, which can be found in the show notes below. We will catch you next time.